Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. I'm sure glad to be with you here today, and uh, we're going to talk about blind Bartimaeus today, okay? So if you got your Bible, turn to Mark chapter 10, and we'll start with verse 46. Okay, you got your place? Let's not prayer. Dear Lord, please help now as I speak, and help me to be used of you, Lord, to speak through me, fill me with your power. Lord, I pray that you would help all of us to learn from your word, be encouraged and challenged. So please uh, breathe on me today and speak to our hearts. We pray that we'll leave today closer to you, knowing you as Lord and Savior, living for you. We pray in Jesus' name. Okay, so uh, this is uh, really just before Jesus went up to Jerusalem for the last time. Uh, for his crucifixion, he came down through Jericho before going up to Jerusalem. And in verse 46, it says, <clears throat> And they came to Jericho, they being Jesus, his disciples, and his entourage that was with him. And as they went up out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side, they when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus went into Jerusalem, and as he was coming out, a blind man named Blind Bartimaeus was sitting on the side of the road begging. Uh, he was, the Bible mentions, which uh, it, 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 in the Gospels, it doesn't often tell about the name and the relationships of the people who were healed and helped and so on. Mm -hmm. But in this case it does, and I think that the reason it does is because of the significance of their names. Uh, Bartimaeus means son of Timaeus, Bartimaeus, and Timaeus means, and I wrote it down here, let me see if I can get it, it means uh, contaminated, defiled, or unclean. That's what the, his father's name was. Oh, that's unbelievable. Contaminated, defiled, and clean. Now, surely that wasn't the name his mom gave him when he was born. No, that's the name he picked up. Uh, maybe he had an illness. Maybe he was diseased. Maybe he was a sorry guy. I don't know. But uh, it would have been like Rahab the harlot. You know, I mean, she wasn't born with that name. That was the name she got because of who she was. And the same thing with Timaeus. He got that name because of who he was. It may be, and I don't know this, it may be that uh, Bartimaeus was blind because of his dad's condition. So who knows? But the point is that uh, Bartimaeus was in, partially at least in the shape that he was in because of his dad. And that's true with all of us, isn't it? Now, I don't mean your personal dad. I had a wonderful dad. Love the Lord, preached the gospel, bigger than life for me. And I thank God for him. I mean, he was not perfect, of course. He was a sinner, we all were. But he was a good man. I think that was a real bonus for me to have such a godly 
and mom. But uh, still, even if your individual dad was a really good man or a Christian man, uh, we still all have the same father, and that's Adam. And we're all sinners because of Adam. And uh, in fact, in uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it says, Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, and so death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And so you really see something there, uh, gang. There are two indictments here against us. That is in, in Romans 5. There are two indictments against us from, from God and from the Bible. We're sinners by nature through Adam. Verse 4 is by one man sin entered into the world. That one man was Adam. We became a sinful race of people because of Adam's. Now today, we know about genetics. We didn't know about that very long ago, did we? Most of us here today are old enough that we remember when they discovered and figured out the thing about genetics. And we know about genetics. And Adam became the father of a sinful race of people, and he passed his nature down to you and me to his kids. So he had kids, they had kids, and they had kids, and so on, until we get you and me, and we all have the same nature. So the Bible says, Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. We have the curse of death upon us because of our father Adam. So then it goes on to say that because of us, death is passed upon all men. So not only am I a sinner by nature, I'm also a sinner by choice. And we all are. That is, the day came when I got old enough to know the difference between right and wrong. And I don't know when that was. It was, I think, very between individuals on how much they're exposed to the gospel and the word of God and teaching. They went to church and so on. But uh, the day came when I knew the difference between right and wrong and I chose to, I chose to do wrong on purpose. I said, here's right, here's wrong, and I'll do this. I'll do the wrong. So there are two indictments against the human race and against you and me. One is from our father's sin, Adam, and one from our own sin, our choice to sin, that you and I have done. So we're sinners, and there's two indictments against us. So maybe that's why that uh, the scriptures here Tell us about time, the significance of Bartimaeus and Timaeus was because uh, we all have a sinful father. But anyway, he was sitting on the side of the road and he was begging. Now later on, we're going to see that he's going to throw away his coat when he came to Jesus. Back in those days, uh, <clears throat> the government could issue a person uh, a permit. To sit on the side of the road and bad because Timaeus couldn't work for a living because of his sight. They didn't have a welfare system like we have today in our modern governments, in the first world at least. And so uh, people had to get permission from the government to ask for alms so they could live. And uh, today we would get a paper saying that we have permission to do something from the government. But back then, what they would do for a beggar is they would give him a coat or a cloak, and he would put it on. 
and that cloak was a certain color and a certain design, and people could look at him and say that it was like a certificate. He had permission to bag. And so Bartimaeus obviously had permission to sit by the roadside begging. Now he had heard of Jesus. He might have been in prison. Uh, he uh, heard that Jesus could heal people. And here was a blind man. He had no idea, maybe, that Jesus would ever come by him. But don't you think that maybe in his longest, wildest dreams, he said, oh, wouldn't it be something that Jesus would come by me? I was hungry for it. You know, we tend to think today that in the United States, which people don't want the gospel, but their gospel is hard to They don't want to be saved. We get into arguments with people. And that just proves our point in our mind. But you know, actually, in Castle Graham, let's see, with your population here, there could be thousands of people in this area right here that would come to Christ if they just had somebody that loved them enough to tell them about the gospel. Not get into a debate with them or an argument with them or a dispute with them, but then sit down with the Bible and tell them how to come to Christ. My wife and I are going to talk to them about uh, several people that, that we've got in our heart in the next two or three days we're going to go see them hoping they're in the Christ. And so it's really important that, that you have a word for people because there are a lot of people who want to come to Christ. There are a lot of people. I, I, I've run over people, run over people all my life who are hungry with the gospel. On planes, bus stations, restaurants, on the street, at home. People who are hungry for the gospel. I had a guy said to me one time, I was trying to witness to him, and he said, well, I don't even know if there is a heaven or hell. I said, well, I can see that. I said, let me ask you a question. If there was a heaven, would you want to go there? He said, well, yeah, of course. I said, if there was a hell, you wouldn't want to go there, would you? No, I don't want to. I said, well, let me just show you how to go to heaven in case there is a heaven and you don't know how to get there. About 15 minutes later, he trusted Christ as a Savior. You know, don't make a big argument with people about is there a heaven or hell. Just stick with the gospel. And after that man accepted Christ, we talked for a few minutes, and I was telling him how he needed, what he needed to do next in Christ. You know, get baptized, get in church, let people know you're a Christian. And uh, I said, uh, now, about your question about this for heaven now, he said, oh, I got that settled a while ago. There are a lot of people. I was in Cambodia, been two years ago now, and it's a Buddhist country. And we were not allowed to speak on the streets or anything like that. So we got permission from a man who was a Buddhist man to have a service in his backyard. And so we went there and had a service. I don't remember exactly. Uh, I'm going to say there was like probably maybe 40, 60 adults there. And about two million kids running through. 
and they, you know, they were fighting and wrestling and running over here, running over here and sitting down and getting back up and going over. And you just had to try to speak over them. But uh, we had a number of folks come to Christ. It was wonderful. People with hungry hearts. Who were Buddhists. They want to come to Christ. So after the service was over, uh, we were meeting people and so on. And a pastor came up to me and he said, Did you know that uh, the mayor is here? I said, No. I said, The mayor of the city? Yeah. I, I, he came to the service? Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm really honored that. I wish I had known that. that that's tremendous. He said uh, to me, he said, would you like to meet him? I said, sure. He said, well, come on. So we walked over and there was a young guy there in a polo shirt and had a, hey, he had a Yankees baseball cap on. <laughs> and a uh, sharp looking guy. He was a sharp looking young man. And so I, I shook his hand. We talked for a minute. He said, I want to really thank you for coming. He said, we, we, we need what you had to say today so bad. He said, my people in my city, he said, that's what we need. He said, would you ever come back? I said, well, if I can, and God leads me, and get the funds, and so on. He said, well, I really appreciate the fact that you're here. I said, well, let me ask you a question, uh, Mr. Mayor. I said, are, are you a believer? He said, yes, I am. You are? Yeah. You're a Christian? Yes, I am. Here in this uh, Buddhist country? Yeah. You're a Christian. He said, yes, I am. I'm a, I'm a Christian. I said, that is fantastic. I said, how long have you been saved? How long have you been old right? He said, oh, about 15 minutes. I love that. You know, there's a lot of people who know Christ. So Bartimaeus sitting on the roadside here, and Jesus came by. Look at verse 47. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he came to cry out and said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on Now, right here, Bartimaeus had one of the key necessities of coming to Christ. When he said, thou son of David, he realized, I think in his heart, that this might be the Messiah. This might be God in the flesh. He realized that he came, he was the, he was in the, the line lineage of King David. But this was just an ordinary person. It's important that we know that and come to Christ. Verse 48. And many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried the more a great deal, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still, and they commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calls thee. So uh, the crowd tried to shut him up. And I gotta tell you folks, the world is never gonna help you get to Jesus. The world is never gonna help you to be a better Christian. The world is never gonna help you to get into the Word of God. The world is never gonna encourage you. The world's not gonna applaud you at, at, at your work because you live for the Lord. Not gonna happen. And they didn't hear. And you really think about who was in that crowd today. Well, 
There was, if I can use this phrase, there was a man on the street. And he started, he, he told Barnabas, hey man, shut up. Stay in line, I'm ahead of you. They didn't, he didn't encourage Barnabas to get to Christ. But they thought probably the, the Bible didn't say that they were everywhere Jesus was. Probably the Pharisees were there. They were the most religious people of the day. I mean, they were the people that had rules and regulations coming out the wazoo. I mean, they had everything figured out. They had, uh, this is right, and this is right, and this is wrong, and this is wrong. Black and white, boy, they had it all. And they were special. They were members of the church that we are better than you, church. Mm -hmm. They were absolutely, they were, but they didn't have that poor blind man get to Jesus. They had seen Jesus heal other people. But they didn't care enough. Say, here's a guy who's a beggar, poor, sitting in the filth of the road. Let's get him to Jesus. No, they didn't care. And then you know, let's see who else was there. Well, the disciples were there. Mm -hmm. The disciples were good folks. They loved the Lord. They had given up everything to follow Jesus. They were a follower of Christ. They were trying to, uh, they were trying to mimic Christ. They were saying, here's what Jesus is like, and I want to be like that. That's good, isn't it? A lot of us are disciples of Christ. We don't do a very good job of it, maybe, but we want to be like Jesus, don't we? Wouldn't that be wonderful? We could be like Jesus. And they were good guys. They were sold out. Most of those guys would wind up dying a martyr's death. But they didn't help martyrs get to Jesus either. Let me tell you something, folks. It is really important that we invest our life in getting people to Jesus. In personal witness, in our giving, in our prayers, in our, in our life. Win somebody to Christ. Be a part of it. Keep somebody out of hell. Do your part. Help people to come to Christ. Now, I think it's interesting. Jesus stood still. Don't you just love that phrase? Jesus stood. Isn't it great that here is the God of all creation? All creation. And yet he'll stop and stand still for you and me. We come to him and say, Lord, I need your help. The Lord's listening. He cares about you. Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then everybody flipped. Everybody wanted to be in on the act. Hey, 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 come on, come on, brother. Let me help you, everybody. He's calling you. Come on, Lord. And Jesus said to Barnabas, What will thou that I should do unto thee? Well, Jesus did what he wanted. Come on. He's God. But he wanted Barnabas to say it. And you know, God knows what you want, and God knows what you need, and God knows what your hurts are. And God knows what your longings are, and God knows what you want to do, and God knows how you want Him to help you. 
but he wants you to come to him and tell him. He wants you to say it. He wants you to come to him. You say, why? Because he wants you to come to that place in your life where you're saying, Lord, I need your help. That's the key to, to salvation. That's the key to the Christian life. The key to it is when we just come to the Lord and we say, Lord, I need you. And Bartimaeus said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Uh, there's a great analogy here, of course, that we all know, that he was talking about physical sight, but all those things spiritual sight, don't we? Because a person who doesn't know Christ as their Savior is blind. Mm -hmm. They're spiritually blind. Everybody's going to put their trust in something. And if you don't put your trust in Jesus Christ, then you're going to put your trust in something man-made. You're going to put your trust in man himself. That's called secular humanism. Where we replace God with man as God. And we put our trust in it. That's what we see now in our government and in our society, isn't it? That's what we're seeing coming about right now. It's secular humanism. We're seeing where right now in our country, the move is toward God is not in control. We are in control. And we don't even think there is a God. Yeah. We're in control. And so Bartimaeus said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said to Bartimaeus, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. <coughs> and immediately received his sight and followed Jesus on the way. So Jesus um, said to Bartimaeus, Lord, what? He said, Lord, I want to get my sight. Jesus said, thy faith has made thee whole. At that particular second, he was still blind. But Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. And that is such a key, gang, this matter of faith. You know, Jericho is an interesting city. Jericho is one of the oldest cities on earth. And there were three Jerichos, all in the same location. There was the first Jericho, which was the Jericho when Joshua and his people came to it. And the walls tumbled in. That was a Canaanite city. Or really probably wasn't much of a city, but it was a Canaanite town. And it was one of the first cities on on record that had a wall around it. Of course, during medieval days, that became common. They built these huge walls in Europe. But uh, this wall probably wasn't probably much more than 15 feet high or so on, but it was one of the first walled cities. And uh, I, I, I I've been there. And did you know that with those walls that tumble down under Joshua, that they are still there? And here's the biggest thing about those walls. Usually when you think of a wall collapsing, it goes like this, right? Or like this. But those walls went like this. 
And archaeologists can't figure that out. How did that happen? Because a wind or an earthquake or whatever it might be, a, a natural phenomenon, we call it a tumble over. But this wall went down just like that. And did you know that archaeologists today have actually come? They're so old, some of them, it's really hard for them to admit it. But did you know that some archaeologists have actually come to a place today that they said, you know, that Bible account may actually be true. <laughs> because there's no other explanation for how those walls came down. Now I'm going to tell you a second thing. This is really the beatenest thing of all. That whole wall went around, came down like this. There is one place in the wall that is still partially up. Not all the way, of course, over a thousand of years, it is broken down. But there is one place where there are still some rocks on top of another, and it goes on up on so high, and it's still intact. That obviously was where Rahab's house was. They don't have the explanation for it. It's exciting. But there's a great lesson for you and me too. When the children of Israel crossed the Jordan River, they came into the promised land. And that is a type of the promised land that you and I have in Christ. Because when we are in Jesus Christ, we are uh, recipients of God's promises. And we have access to the God of all creation through prayer. We, we can go right into his throne room and say, hey, Pop, I need, I need a, a favor from you. I need your help. And in order to receive God's blessings in our promised land, we need to live by faith. And Jesus said to one of us, thy faith has made thee whole. One of the things that God told Joshua and the children of Israel when they came into the promised land and they came to Jericho, God said, I am going to destroy Jericho and I'm going to give it into your hands. But he said, when I do that, I don't want you to take anything out of that city. I want you to kill everybody that's in there because they're the enemies of God. And when the kids get grown, they'll be the enemies of God. And you don't need enemies like that in the promised land. And not only do I want you to destroy them, I want you to destroy every, all they have, all their possessions. Destroy their houses, destroy their animals, destroy their wealth. Don't take anything. And so they did that, except for one dude, a guy named Achan, I think I'm saying that right. And he stole some of the stuff, and they went and they looted, and, or he looted, and he got some stuff and hit it and took it out. And nobody knew about it, but God knew about it. And the very next battle they had was against another town named Ai, and they were defeated. And Joshua came back to God and said, God, what's going on here? You have promised to give us the promised land. You, you promised to defeat our enemies. And we've been defeated. What happened? And God said, you didn't do what I told you to do. He said, you've got one guy who kept stuff that he wasn't supposed to keep. 
So the point is, and Joshua got things settled and they looked you know, But the, the thing is, that when we live by faith, it's a matter, everybody, of putting your total trust in God. In the Word of God. Now, when you came to Christ in salvation, right? You came to Christ by putting your faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for you on the cross. It was a total act of faith. You didn't say, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you, but I'm also going to join the church. Maybe that'll help. Or I'm going to trust you, but I'm going to get baptized just to make sure everything's okay. Or, or I'm going to put my faith and trust in Christ's death on the cross, but I'm also really going to be able to die. No. We, said, we might join the church. We might get baptized. We might try to live a godly life. But that's not because we want to become Christians. That's because we are Christians. And so there we are. We're living by taking a step of faith where we say, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you, period. Born on A to Z. I'm going to Omega. I'm trusting you for my eternity. And we take a step of faith. And then we take that same step of faith, everybody, in our day-by-day -day life. You're in the promised land. You're, you're a recipient of God's blessings. But we receive them by faith, by putting our faith in Christ. One other thing I want to mention, and then we got to quit. Jesus told Bartimaeus, My faith has made thee whole, go thy way, thy faith has made thee whole. Immediately receive the sight. And look at verse 52. Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith has made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight. And he followed Jesus in the way. <coughs> When Bartimaeus got his sight, he saw Jesus. And when he saw Jesus, he wanted to follow him. That is, Jesus said to Bartimaeus, go thy way. Jesus didn't say to Bartimaeus, follow me. He didn't say to Bartimaeus, get in lockstep. He said, Bartimaeus, go thy way. Go your way. But his way was to follow Jesus. Now listen, everybody. And I'm, I'm going to be through here. Listen. If he followed Jesus, where did he wind up? Never. He wound up at the cross, didn't he? Because that's where Jesus was heading. Jesus left Jericho and made his way up to Jerusalem. He was going to the cross. Now, so if we follow Jesus, then where it's going to wind up is at the cross. Now what does that mean for you? Does that mean that you and I literally, physically get up on a cross and get and die? No. Well, what does it mean that, that we're going to follow Jesus to the cross? That means we're going to die for the Lord. Not physically, but as far as will is concerned. 
I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we're just going to say, Lord, I'm going to die to self. I'm going to die to my ambitions. I'm going to die to my goals. I'm going to be going to die to being rich. I'm going to die to being famous. I'm going to die to being, number one, I'm going to die to being competitive with everybody. Mm -hmm. I'm going to die for that dream job. I'm going to die uh, for that sports team. I'm going to die for that car I want. So the Lord, you can take my life and use it for your honor and glory. For every believer here today, we say, Lord, I surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender, I surrender. We give our life to Jesus Christ and we die to self so that he can take us and use us for his glory to accomplish what he wants to do. Okay? That's about it. Yeah, Lord, thank you for your goodness to us. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful story about Bartimaeus and how you, you loved him and gave him his physical sight. And Lord, we thank you for the fact that you love us and we ask that you please, Lord, help us. And Lord, give us to and help us to serve you. Lord, please help and have your way in our lives. And I pray that, Lord, there'll be men and women here today and young people will say, Lord, I'm going to surrender all. I'm going to give my life. So please help me now. Speak to our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.